Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you a little story. We're sorry to announce the untimely death of Mrs. Prayer Meeting. She died recently at the first neglected church on Ho-Hum Avenue. Born many years ago in the midst of a great revival, she was strong and healthy as a child. Fed largely on testimony and Bible studies, she grew up in worldwide prominence and was one of the most influential members of the church family. However, in recent years, Sister Prayer Meeting has been failing in health, gradually wasting away until rendered helpless by stiffness of knees, cooling of heart, lack of spiritual sensitivity, and the concern for spiritual things. Her last whispered words were, inquiring about the strange absence of her loved ones now so busy in the marketplace of worldly amusement on Wednesday at noon. Experts including Dr. Goodworks, Dr. Socializing, and Dr. Unconcerned disagree as to the fatal cause of her final illness. They all administered large doses of excuses, even ordered a last-minute motivational bypass, all to no avail. A postmortem examination showed a deficiency of regular spiritual food, lack of prayer, and Christian fellowship all contributed to the untimely demise of Mrs. Prayer Meeting. Last week, Pastor Stephen, he was talking about prayer. Prayer. Unfortunately, this story is all too true, too close to home. People don't pray anymore. Now, if you're one of those Christians that never take the time to pray, I don't know how you're getting by. I could not get by without prayer, and neither can you. We all need to be people of prayer, to take the time to pray. You know, prayer is you talking to God, and the Bible is God talking to you. So that's why you need to pray And that's why you need to read the Bible, so you can have communication. There can be a dialogue between you and God. And so prayer is so very, very important. Well, here in Matthew chapter 7, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. This whole subject of prayer. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, saints, if you're there, say amen. Oh, that wasn't... Hearty enough, you guys. If you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. Oh, much better. Look at verse 7. Jesus says, ask. Got a pen? Got a pen? Circle the word ask. Jesus says, ask, 
and it will be given you. Seek, circle that, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Circle that. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man, in verse 9, is there among you, who if his son asks for bread, will give him a rock? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a rattler, serpent? If you then, in verse 11, notice this. If you then being evil, in verse 11. You know, when I read this, I thought, this verse is Jesus' commentary. If you, be, if you then being evil, is Jesus' commentary on the human condition. Is Jesus' commentary on the heart of men, of men. Now we say men, mankind is basically good. Jesus says, no, if you then being evil. That's Jesus' commentary on mankind. You know, well, you know, Rodney, he's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. No one has a good heart. How many times do you hear people say, well, they have a good heart. I mean, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Okay, good. That's all of us. Well, they have a good heart. No, they don't. They have a bad heart. They have an ugly heart. They have an evil heart. Jesus says, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts in verse 11 to your kids, how much more will your father who is in heaven give gifts? Good things to those who ask. Amen. Do you know God is the good father and not the Godfather? You know, some folk, some people think God is like the Godfather. Like, you don't do, look, you don't do what you want. You're going to make me break both your legs, okay? You know, or something evil, bad, like the Godfather. He's not the Godfather. He's the good father. He loves his kids. Amen, kids. He loves his kids. And if you notice the argument from the lesser to the greater, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to those who love him? Now, in Luke, look it up in your own time, chapter 11, he talks about the good gift that's given. He talks about that gift being the Holy Spirit. That's the good gift. In other words, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, He'll give you that Holy Spirit. Therefore, in verse 12, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Stop right there. Give me your attention. The Sermon on the Mount. I like to say that this sermon is the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. We've all heard some really good sermons in our day. I know that you've heard some really good sermons here at Calvary Chapel. We've heard some good ones. 
But this sermon here, the Sermon on the Mount, we've been doing a study over the last several months through the Gospel of Matthew. Particularly, we've been spending a bit of time in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest sermon ever preached. These are the most powerful and impacting and profound words in the Scriptures. And all that, that, any, that any man has ever heard coming from the mouth of Jesus. And what a humbling thing it is for me to seek to expound on the greatest sermon ever preached. What, what can I say? What can you add to perfection? It's a humbling thing for me to stand here and teach you the Sermon on the Mount. It by far is the greatest sermon ever to land on the ears of men. Powerful, impacting, and might I add, familiar. Familiar? Yeah, we've all heard this text before. How many have not heard a text on, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Listen, if you can't, if you're a preacher, and this is like the, the text of all texts for preachers, you know, it's the easiest text to preach on. If you can't preach on this, you ain't called to preach. I mean, this is easy. Asking you, we've all heard sermons on asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened unto you. So most certainly this is a familiar text. We've heard great sermons on this text. But before we look at it this morning, and, and in first service we, we talked about ask, we were going to talk about ask, seek, and knock. But, but because the Lord just didn't lead me to talk about seek and knock, we only got to ask. So I had to do the same thing second service, and I'll have to do the same thing this service. We'll only talk about this subject of ask this morning. Next week, when you come back, we'll talk about seek and knock, and we'll probably talk about ask too, just because. But um, we'll talk about ask, seek, and knock next week also. But this morning, we're going to talk about, about asking. But before we talk about asking, I think it's important that we keep it in context. Again, we've all heard really good sermons on ask, seek, and knock. But I think we need to keep it in context because we're not free to just take the words of Jesus or the Bible as a whole and just take it out of context because we feel like, you know, we want to make certain comments or make certain sermons. We most certainly need to be mindful and be careful to keep the context of what Jesus is talking about. Amen, saints? And so the context here is in verse 1, look in your Bibles, Jesus is talking about, judge not lest you be judged, for with the same judgment you judge others, that is the judgment wherewith you will be judged. That's the context. So if you want mercy... You need to be one who shows mercy. If you want grace, you need to be one who shows grace. You want forgiveness and love and patience? You need to be forgiving. You need to be loving. You need to be patient. You want someone to smile at you at church? You need, some, you need to smile at some people at church. There's a one. Nobody spoke to me at church. They don't going to that church. They're so unloving. Nobody speaks to you there. It's like, well, stop looking so mean. Man, you look so mean, nobody don't want to talk to you. You want somebody to smile at you and be loving toward you? Then smile at some people, okay? And be loving. 
With the same judgment you judge others, the same judgment will come back to you. That is the context. And then Jesus goes on in verse 6 talking about don't cast your pearls before swine. In other words, don't waste your spiritual treasures on those who have no spiritual interest. You know, when you're talking to a person and, you know, when we talked about this in great depth, if you were not here the week before last, then you should probably pick up the tape or the CD, but, you know, we talked about judging people and, and you know, when, when you tell people, you know, people, as soon as you disagree with their behavior in any way, they say, oh, don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? You know, what, what you're doing, man, is sin. I mean, what you're doing is wrong. Don't judge me. And, 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 and there comes a point in, in time where you, you have to, you're casting pearls before swine in verse 6, where the, they're not listening to you. They're they're not receiving from you. There comes a time when you need to say, Lord, when is that time when I need to stop casting my pearls before swine? Because they're not listening to you. And don't misunderstand me. When we talk about judgment, and we've talked about this in great detail, when we talk about judgment, we're not talking about judging to condemnation. We don't condemn anyone. You don't condemn anyone. We are not God. We can't send a person to heaven nor to hell. We don't judge to condemnation, but we are to judge to identification and restoration. So you see a person sin and you say, man, you know, you identify. That's probably not good, man. I mean, that's bad for you. You probably shouldn't do that. That's identifying. And then you say, let me help restore you, man. You can repent and and pray and receive Jesus and turn from that. And God has so much more. That word restore means to mend the broken bones. God has so much more for you. And I love you. And God loves you. And and here's my cell phone number. Call me if you need me. And let's pray together. See, you're trying to restore them. You've identified. And now you're trying to restore them. But there are some people who you just can't get there with. There's some people who just reject you and reject you and reject you. You're casting pearls before swine. So when do you get to that place when you are casting pearls before swine and you need to stop casting your spiritual treasures? When Jesus said in verse 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. There comes a time when you need to stop sharing. And when is that time? How do you know that time? When is there discernment and wisdom about that time? Jesus is simply saying, pray. Ask, seek, and knock, Jesus says. In other words, in this whole area of judging and decision-making and identifying, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and I will give you instruction and direction. Now, who's he talking to? I think this is really important. Who is Jesus talking to? Notice in your Bibles in verse 8. He says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and everyone implied who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks it shall be open. So to everyone. Now, question. Does everyone mean everyone? Or maybe I ask you like this. Does everyone mean anyone? No, it doesn't. Well, yes and no. Tell you why. Remember who he's talking to. 
Jesus is sitting on the hillside in the Galilee, in the area of the Galilee. And you know his disciples have gathered to him. Jesus is sitting and the disciples are standing, which is the way the rabbis would teach in those days. The preachers would sit and the people would stand, which I like that biblical model, by the way. We probably should do that here at Calvary Chapel. And so Jesus is gathered together with his disciples. So everyone does not really imply everyone. Everyone implies or refers to everyone who is his disciple. Everyone who is a born again child of God. You see, contrary to popular opinion and belief, we are not all children of God. We are not all. Now, I know people write songs about it. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start living. I know people write songs about the whole world being the children of God. But listen, the whole world is not the children of God. God is not the whole world's father. In order for God to be your father, you must make yourself a child of God. God is the creator of all men. God has created everything that you see, and God has created all people. And God in his providential care and his common grace provides for all men. Non-Christian, Christian alike. We get the same sun, we get the same rain, we get the same oxygen, we all breathe, we all eat, we all experience the same common grace that the creator pours out upon his creation. God is the creator of all men, but God is not the father of all men. Remember in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, our father... In order for God to become your father, you need to be born again into the family of God and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then God transfers your life from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And now you are born again. It was Jesus who said, you must be born again. Amen, saints. So God is a creator of all things. But in order for him to be your father, you must be born again. I guess the question would remain, are you born again? Are you a child of God? And so Jesus says to all those, everyone who is a child of God, you may ask, seek, and knock. Now in the Greek language, stay with me. In the Greek language... In the New Testament, there are two basic kinds of imperatives. Imperatives. Ask, seek, and knock. Verbs. Action. Ask, seek, and knock. In the New Testament, two basic kinds of imperatives. Number one, the first imperative is called an aortist imperative. And that simply means to do something one time. It speaks of a one specific act that you are to do one time. The second is 
called a present imperative. And that doesn't speak of a one-time act. It speaks of a continual act. That speaks of something that you do over and over and over and over again. So Jesus is saying to all of his children, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking and don't give up. Ask, seek, and knock. Got a pen? Let me give you five points I think are important about asking. Number one, number one, asking is simply talking about prayer. It's talking about prayer. We're to pray. We're to ask. John chapter 15, verse 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, You shall ask or pray about whatever you desire, and it shall be done unto you. Jesus says, ask what is your desire, and keep on asking. This is a command to pray. And by the way, prayer is a command and not a suggestion. Therefore, if you're not praying, then you're sinning. Y'all don't have to say amen there. That's all right. It's, It's all right. It's true. If we don't take the time to pray, Christians, we are sinning. We don't think about it like that, now do we? But it's true. So Jesus says, ask. It's a command. Ask and keep on asking. Pray. Man, what a great need in the church today is people who will pray. You know, people don't pray anymore. Have you noticed that? People just don't pray anymore. The greatest thing in the church is for people to pray. Not for prosperity, not for health, not for all of these things that the world and other people might tell you is a great need in the church. The greatest thing in the church today is for people to pray. You remember in Luke chapter 11, it was when the disciples saw Jesus praying. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't it interesting that they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I find that interesting. I think you should. When they saw Jesus, see, the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus. You understand that. And when they saw Jesus do miracles, when they saw Jesus preach with power and authority, they never said, Lord, teach us to preach with power and authority. They never said that. When they saw Jesus Heal the leper and heal the blind man. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to heal people with mighty signs and wonders. They didn't say that. You know, when they saw Jesus feed the 5,000, which is more like 15,000 with wives and children, he took the two fish and the five loaves of bread and Jesus prayed over that bread and he fed the multitudes of people. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to pray over bread so that we can have a Meals on Wheels ministry. They didn't say that. When they saw Jesus pray, when they saw the intimacy and the effect and the priority of Jesus' prayer life, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer. You know, prayer is an important piece of armor, by the way. 
Put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that your feet prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your breastplate of righteousness, your loins girded about with truth. And in Ephesians 6, Paul says, and praying always with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is a powerful tool for spiritual warfare. You're under heavy attack? Pray. John Maxwell said the detonator that churches lack today is prayer. It has the power to ignite the dynamite of the gospel and powerfully shake the world. I like that. Pray. Now, we talked about it in times past. Prayer. What's prayer? What's the purpose of prayer? Prayer isn't getting your will done on earth. Prayer is getting God's will done in heaven. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. Prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.